Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's what we are here for, O Lord. That your name will be hallowed in our lives. That you will be exalted in every area of our lives. As we said, O Lord, as we sang even now, your name is worthy to be praised and therefore we give you praises. O Father, let every man decrease here in this house and let your name and your word be exalted and be lifted up in our lives, in this sanctuary, O Lord, and in our church, in our families, in every area of our lives. Father, let the authority of the word of God And God be preeminent. Christ be preeminent in our lives. And therefore, O Lord, Father, even as we meditate upon your word this time, this evening, I pray, Lord, you would anoint us. You would open our ears, O Lord. And Father, fill our hearts, O Lord. Let our hearts burn with passion for you, O Lord. Passion for your name. Passion that your name will be hallowed, O Lord, Father, in our lives. As we heard so many times from this pulpit, O Lord, that, Lord, that we will sanctify the Lord of God in our hearts. And we'll be ready. To give an answer to those who ask for the reason of the, for the hope that we have in us, O oh Lord. Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Let your name and your word be exalted in our lives. That you would anoint us this evening, O oh Lord. Anoint us, our hearing and our speaking. Father, thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity is a heart religion. It's a religion of the heart. Okay, if our heart is not right with God, it doesn't matter how many times we come to church, how many uh, meetings we attend, how many uh, good works we do, all those things don't matter if our heart is not right with God. Okay, we just keep that in your mind even as we meditate upon the word this evening. Mark 12 and we will look from verse 29 onwards. Jesus answered him, the first of all, the commandment is this, the first of all commandment, the first of all commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. First comes the heart. You see that? If your heart is not there in anything, you know, that's what the expression that we use, right? His heart is not in it. Heart is a center of all, that's the center of your being from which everything in your life emerges. We'll talk about that. With all your heart, no division, no division, absolutely undivided devotion to God is what is demanded of Jesus. Okay, Proverbs chapter 4. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. So many little children, small children, young children, teenagers and 7, 6, 12, 6 years old, all kinds of years old are here. And some of you are tender and some of you are mudru. It says, when I was only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. You know, one of the things that you always have to pray for, ask God when you come to church, it doesn't matter what your age. Here, of course, it's talking about a young, young son or a young daughter who's little in the hands of his father and his heart is tender. One of the things that you have to ask for when you come to the church is, Lord, keep my heart tender. It's very important. 
A heart which is impressionable. A heart which is teachable. Because wisdom is of the heart. Knowledge is of the mind. And a lot of, there are so many people in the, in, 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 in Christendom who have a huge head. That's the reason why Warren Beersby says the end of all teaching is not a big head. It is a burning heart. And that is the reason why, you know, on the road to Emmaus, they said, let, did not our hearts burn in us, in us when we heard him preach and share and, and expound the scriptures. Let your heart this evening burn for God. Let it be impressionable. Let it be tender. Don't harden your heart. Don't let anything clutter your, dis- your understanding and your, and, and your focus from God. No, it's very difficult when you come on an, on a uh, Wednesday evening, you would have, you would have spent all the time in the world being bombarded by all kinds of ideas and your heart is wavering in all directions. Let it be tender this evening. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 3. Okay, that is let your heart retain my words. My son, give attention. Verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Let it be the center from which everything emanates. Heart. Again. Why do we preach the word of God? Why do we share the word of God? Why do we impress over and over and over again, insist upon listening to the word of God? Why? This is what First Timothy chapter 5, chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 will say. Now the purpose of the commandment or the purpose of all teaching or the purpose of every session that we, when we read the word or when we listen to a message or when we come to church, when we go to a Bible study, the purpose of the commandment is love from a what heart? Pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. It's end end of the commandment, end of today's commandment, the end or the purpose or the goal of all teaching is that we have a pure heart, that we will be cleansed in our heart. Psalm 15 Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. You see that? I can go on and on and on and on. I can go through the entire Bible. I'm just giving you a few verses to position this today's message. Matthew chapter 15. Look at what it says. Jesus has to tell uh, uh, tell about the Pharisees. This is, this is what he says. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 onwards. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the... Heart, and they defile a man, a man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So if you have evil thoughts, what is the source? Heart. If you have murder or anger in your heart, what is the source? Heart. If you have uh, thoughts of adultery in your heart, what is the source? Heart. If you're fornicating with someone in your, what is the source? Heart. If you're Trying to steal time from your company. What is the source? Heart. If you are speaking lies, what is the source? Heart. If you are blaspheming the name of God, what is the source? Heart. See that? Uh, I was uh, reading a 1986 article by John Piper. It was a 1986 statistics. He was talking about... Uh, the, they did a statistics in America and they were looking at, uh, you know, uh, a particular statistic uh, across uh, different races. I mean, uh, 
Races, yeah, yeah, people groups in America. And one of the things that they have understood or seen a startling statistic, especially in the African American community, you know what is, what they said is 52% of the children are born out of wedlock. 52%. This is 1986, 32 years back. Almost a generation is going to be passed. So you have an entire generation, 50% of a generation, which is growing up in a house without parental supervision. There is no father, no mother. They are a result of a fornication. Why it has happened and what do governments do? Oh, we should support single mothers. We should take care of single mothers. There's a lot of social injustice, so many problems in society. They're trying to create, to, to solve the symptom, but the problem is with the heart because fornication is in the heart. You see? So you take any problem that you're facing in your life even today, when you just go down deep and dig down, it will be an issue of the heart. Somewhere something in the heart is a problem. Check your heart today. Let's do a heart checkup. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. With what? With all diligence. I was teaching Proverbs in, in Grace Home. One thing, one thing I used to tell them. You don't have to be intelligent. You have to be diligent. Okay. Keep your heart with all diligent diligence. For out of it are the issues or the ways of life. So look, we look at heart today. Stewardship of the heart. Because you know what? David says, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. In my inward parts, you make me to know wisdom. It is there deep down. God looks at everything. He says, you know what? I, the Lord, search the hearts, test the minds to give everyone according to their ways and according to the fruit of their doings. But the fruit is coming from the heart, you see. And if you don't deal with the heart, Issues will be, will never be dealt with in our lives. We'll just keep going on and on and on and on and on, over and over and over and over again without any tangible result in our lives. It will be circle after circle after circle after circle, never exiting the loop. Hmm. I just titled today's sermon as Stewardship of Your Heart. I want to look at one example. One example from the Old Testament. Look at his heart and learn a few lessons. Learn lessons. Okay? Shall we? Today, this evening. First Kings chapter 11 verses 29 to 32. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem. This is after Solomon, the king is going to be divided into two parts. Jeroboam is going to take care of one tribe and of course the tribe of Benjamin and Jeroboam is going to get ten tribes. And by the way, Jeroboam was a very intelligent guy. He was very, very um, accomplished in the sense that he had a lot of skill. And that is the reason why he was employed by Solomon in his kingdom. And he had a good rapport with him. He was finding favor in the eyes of Solomon. But now, this is, he was just an ordinary guy from, a, from an ordinary tribe. He was not a special guy. Okay, But he had some gifts that God had given him. Natural gifts. Gifted naturally. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah... Ahijah, which means Yahweh is my brother. That's, a, that's remarkable. Okay. Who's speaking today? <laughs> the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he gives us the privilege. 
You know what he tells Mary? Mary, go and tell my brothers that I'm going to go ahead of them after he resurrects. He's resurrected. It says in Hebrews, he is not ashamed to call them his brothers. Yahweh is my brother. Understand that. And anytime you have a correcting correcting word that, that comes to you, it is coming from the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Understand that. Alright? So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a remarkable privilege and, a, and, and, and an honor if you are being corrected by Ahia, Ahijah. Okay, the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite from Shiloh, that is, that means, Shiloh means a place of rest. Okay, those who have God as their brother always are at rest. Okay, Shiloh met him on the way. He had clothed himself with a new garment and and the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on, on him and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeremiah, take for yourself Ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and I will give ten tribes to you. That's that's something which has been prophetically spoken over the life of, of, of Jeroboam. And God has a specific plan for every one of our lives. One of the things that I'm coming to realize for every one of us, if you have come to Grace Tabernacle, Hyderabad, that it is not an accident. Okay. You will either fulfill your purpose or you will run away. Nothing in between. Okay. You will find your purpose. You will discover your purpose. And some of you discovered your marriage partners also here. Okay. So many things have happened here in this place. So many things. Some are discovered and some are discovering and some are going to discover. Okay. So, so your life, something has been spoken over your life in this church and there is a destiny. God ordained destiny for each one of our lives. Doesn't matter what your age is. And I look at all you children in the in, in in Grace Home. No, you think you are here by accident, and and you just were brought to here by chance. Not a chance. You think that you met Raj accidentally in the office, <laughs> and you were brought to our church. Not a chance. Okay. Everything that has happened has happened because God ordained it in your life sovereignly and he has spoken one specific word. And I looked at one sister, she heard our messages online somewhere in the US and she was brought over here. This is remarkable when I look at every one of us in the church, every one of us has been brought into this house with a purpose and you have to find a purpose and God will speak into your life if your ears are open. Your ears are open specially to the brothers of Jesus. Amen? Don't say he's not my brother. Okay, so, and all the brothers of Jesus are their brother's keepers too. Amen? Yeah. Okay, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon. I will give you ten tribes. What an honor. What a privilege to be a person who can mentor people. You know, I'll tell you something. Every one of you in your walk with the Lord, God has given in each one of us the ability to lead others to Christ, to mentor people, to be a father to people, to be able to mold people's lives and change their destiny. I remember Pastor James looking at me when I was a rookie sitting in the congregation. You, I I don't know, I didn't say you. He said... God has told me two people in this congregation who is going to be in full-time ministry. You know something? Instinctively, I know that was me. From the pulpit, he said that. Two people in the congregation. 
and I didn't like it, of course. <laughs> and the next next day, next day, the very next day, he looked at me. He said, "Vijay, are you ready?" It was eleven years back. I'm still not ready. Okay. See, and, and the, the ability spoke into my life. You know, it was it was a mentorship, a relationship to, and you see. The joy of the father is to see people walking in truth. And the ability to mentor. And everyone, this is the, this is the, is the call of everyone. If you are not going to live your life for yourself, you will be living life for others. And that will be your joy. There is tremendous joy when you pour out your life for others. So when you look at your circumstances and your situations that you're going through and all the troubles that you're facing and the depression and the anger and the, You know what? God is molding you so that you will be a mentor to others. Believe that. Believe that you're going to be a mother. It says, sing, O barren woman, and break forth into joy those who are, who's not married. For the children of the barren are much more than the children of those who is married. God has called us to bear fruit, bear fruit, and every one of us can be a leader. You, you, you are, some of you are ahead of somebody else in the gospel. And you can tell them, follow me as I follow Christ. Sisters can say, follow me as I follow Christ. The way I follow Christ, you can, you can follow. I have come thus far. That is the purpose of God in your life. Don't die without a purpose. It's remarkable how many people in Christendom, they don't have a clue as to what their purpose is. They're drifting. They're deceived. They're looking for, for their own comforts and their own things. They're deceived. You know, the word for deceived in the, in the Bible, actually in the Greek, it's planeo, from which we get the word planet. You know what the word planet means? The, what, the Greek connotation being a planet is something which is drifting in space. It's like an asteroid without any direction. So many people in the kingdom of God are like asteroids. No purpose. You think you have a purpose? You believe you have a purpose? You know that you have a purpose? Are you going to say, Are, what is what purpose? Come on. There is a purpose for each, each and every one of you. Believe that today. Believe it. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Believe it. How Doesn't matter how inadequate you feel that you are. Believe it. There is a purpose. Because God does not choose those people who are accomplished, who are wise and who are noble or who are, who are of strength, who have something which, they, which is in them. God chooses the foolish things of the world. And if you are wise in the things of this world, you should become a fool first so that you'll be made wise. Okay. First Kings chapter 11. This is what happens now. I'm going to look at the narrative from verses 37 to 38 now. Look at what it says to Jeroboam. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart's desires. Wow. (laughs) Beautiful. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Heart is a desire factory. And he says, I will take you. This is Jesus, God telling him. I will take you. God is the prime mover. You have not chosen yourself. God has chosen you. And God has chosen you for a purpose that you will reign over the desires of your heart. You see that? 
And you shall be king over Israel. Meaning you will be able to, after reigning over the desires of your heart, you will be able to lead others in my way. But how should these desires be controlled? Is it very important for us? How should these desires be controlled? It says in verse 38, Then it shall be if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, do what is right in my sight, keep my statutes, meaning there is a way that I have to, that you have to accomplish your goal. There is a goal. The end doesn't justify the means. The means and the ways that you, to, to, to reach those ends have to be in line with what I command. Have to be right in my sight. If you keep my statutes, meaning I give you God-ordained boundaries, stay within those boundaries. And my commandments. In other words, all your heart desires should be controlled by my ways. It should be right in my sight, should be my statutes, and should be my commandments. You need to ask yourself this question. That is the reason why it says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, your heart should be in control of the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why Paul prays it for the Thessalonians. You know what he prays for the Thessalonians? This is what he prays. He understands prone to wander. Lord, we feel it prone to leave the God we love. Right? He understands that. This is what he prays. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, he says, But the Lord is faithful. Thank God he is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, not in your, in you, but in the Lord concerning you, both that you will do, uh, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Verse 5, now may the Lord, what? Direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. That is my prayer for all of us, that the God will direct our hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. That you will not do things before before time. You will not make decisions before God's time. That you will be in step with the spirit as Galatians will say. Walk in step with the spirit. And then, be my servant. You see, all your desires should be connected to being a servant. You should be a servant of God. I'll tell you something, at the heart of every false gospel and the heart of everything that is false is losing the sight of being a servant. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, look at what it says. For now, am I seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I should not be the servant of Christ. That means undivided, the word is actually bond servant, meaning a person who sold out to God completely, no other allegiance other than God. God, 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 God. I was telling yesterday, uh, imagine a home where, where father is only talking about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Where mother is saying Jesus, 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 Jesus. All the children are saying oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Everybody is only centered around Jesus. What a family that would be. Imagine a family like that and a group of families which come together and form a church. Can you imagine what a church that will be? A church on fire for God. Now ask yourself this question. Is that, is Jesus the center of your life? I don't want to be where you, I don't want to be 
I don't want to worship from your, from afar. I want to be where you are. Where you are is where I am. Lord, what we think sometimes, sometimes we don't mean it, right? Do we really mean it? Is Jesus the center of your heart? I was praying in the afternoon. Even I was preparing this message. I said, Lord, if you don't come to me with the pulpit, I don't want to go to the pulpit. Because it is not about me. It is about you. See? I don't want to be a servant of man. I want to be a servant of Christ. I want to exalt your holy name. Hallowed be thy name. Then what happens? Matthew chapter 6. No uh, Verse 24. No man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other. It's a love-hate relationship. Looked at that several times. Let's come back. So you should be be my servant. And you will say, very high standards. (laughs) Right? Very high standards. Nobody can attain this standard. Very, 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 very high standard. A lot of people say that, no? When they come to church, your standards are too high. Nobody can walk, walk like this. Nobody can. Nobody does this. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Really? That is the reason why my servant, who's mentioned? David. I'll tell you something. God will always find a man after his own heart. He will find. If you are not that person, God will find somebody else. There's always people who are, who are, whose hearts are sold out to God. The question is, is your heart sold out to God, my dear brothers and sisters? Sold out. Romans chapter 11 verse 5. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. There is always a remnant. I believe that with all of my heart that in every church, doesn't matter which denomination you come from, there is a church or a remnant within every church, even the Catholic church, whose, whose heart is crying out for God. Because not every is all Israel is Israel. Not all GTC is GTC. Scary. Understand this. Romans chapter 3 verse 11. A very scary verse. Many people don't want to read this. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 11. Not Romans. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11. Behold. Let us read it. Read read this together. All of us. Let us read this together. Behold. Yeah. I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your in eternity this word says, there is a possibility. If you don't finish your purpose, God will find somebody else and the crown that was reserved to you will be put on somebody else's head. You think it's going to be happy that day? I don't know. You know, all these things happened in my own, own life. No, I, once I was telling pastor, pastor, four months pastor. And I told you, right? I was reading Matthew, John's Gospel, chapter 4. Pastor, just give me, I was asking God, God, four months, four months, four months, Lord. And I was reading Matthew, chapter 4, verse 34, if I'm right. It says, don't say there are four months. Suddenly, that day, don't say there are four months. Because the harvest is already there. I got a shock of my life. I was doing my daily reading. I just closed my Bible there and I said, what is this now? And I went and asked Pastor, Pastor, what does this mean? You know what? He looked at me and he said, you know what, Vijay? If you don't answer God's call, God will find somebody else and he will get the crown that you that was reserved for you. God will always find a remnant. Do you believe that? Some people, you know, they are all so casual. You know, the Christianity, they think these games. 
There's no purpose in their life. There's no vision for their life. They just come and they're drifting without any purpose. There's a crown which is awaiting for all of us. That is the reason why you see, you, you have this attitude toward God and it shows in every area of your life. Do you have a, do you have an ambition in your company? You know what Paul says? My ambition is to preach the gospel where it has not been preached before. From Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have preached the gospel everywhere. There is no other place left for me now. Can you believe the ambition of that man? There's a holy ambition for all of us. Do you know that there's a crown with your name written on it? There's a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness. Boy, let no man steal your crown, my dear brothers and sisters. That day, you should not say, Cha! You know, it's not because... Oh, maybe I was not very talented. No, 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 no. These principles are there, right? There was a guy with five talents. There was a guy with two talents. There was a guy with one talent. Five made ten. Four, two made four. One fellow buried his talent. You know what God did? He took away the talent from one guy and whom did he give it to? Can you believe that? And everybody said, Lord, Lord, he has already ten. You know what he said? To whom, to whom much is given, much will be given to him again. Because he was faithful in little things and he will be faithful in many things also. It is not about your ability. It is are you, what? Faithful. Faithful. Little, 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 little things in our lives. Okay, let's move on. Matthew chapter 21, look at what it says. This is really scary. This is about the parable of the servants, right? The servants, the, they have a vineyard. Is They have been appointed as uh, servants. And uh, the, the, the servant, I mean, the, the owner's servants are sent for the harvest. And they kill and they kill, and they kill, and the son is sent at last. Remember? They kill the son also because they want the inheritance. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 21, verses 42 onwards. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and will be given to the nation bearing the fruits of it. Do you want that to happen? Do you want that to happen? That you want to be rejected by God? Okay, let's come back to 1 Kings now. Chapter 12, verse 20. Verse 20 onwards. Now it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back. They sent for him, called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none who followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. So Jeroboam becomes the king. Whatever has been spoken over his life comes to pass. And look at this now. Look at the man who does not guard his heart and what happens to him. First Kings chapter 12 verse 25 onwards. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. He also went out from there and built Penuel. Shechem means shoulder. Penuel means face of God. How many of you paid attention to all the lyrics that we sang today? Did you see the word shoulder? No. Let me read that for you. This is a hymn that we sang. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life 
I know that it is finished. You know what God did? He put all our sin upon his shoulder. That is how Jeroboam is starting his life. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born. But who is given? A son is given. Not a child. Child did not die for us. A mature, complete, full grown man, 33 and a half years was slain upon the cross for our sin. A lamb without blemish. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. You know what he's saying? Lord, all my cares, Lord, I'm not the government. You are the government. I put all my, all the government upon you. This is what he's saying. This is what he's symbolically saying. Jeroboam is saying, you know what, Lord? You're going to be my counselor. You're going to be my El Shaddai God. You're going to be the mighty father. You're going to be the prince of peace. And Lord, let your government increase in my life. That is how he started. And what does Penuel means? Face of God. What does face of God mean? Genesis chapter 32 verse 13. And so Jacob called the name of the place Penuel, Peniel or Penuel or Peniel. For I have seen the face of God and my life is preserved. Now the problem is, how can you see the face of God and your life still be preserved? No one can see the glory of God and stay alive. What does that mean? This is the place where God deals with our sins and grants us fellowship with him. He grants us a clear conscience. That is what exactly happened to Jacob. Jacob met, meets God at Penuel and God asks him, what is your name? Deceiver. From now on, you will not be called Jacob anymore. You will be called Israel. That means all his past has been cleansed and we washed by the blood of Jesus. And you can see the face of God. Meaning what? You were supposed to die because of your sin. But you know what? I have taken my, your sin upon myself. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Beautiful. For God said... For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the glory of the knowledge of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. You see, what God is seeing is the face of Christ. And therefore, when you see the face of Christ, he says, forgiven. Forgiven. Forgiven now. My life is preserved because Christ died for my sins. Christ was buried. Christ was risen from the dead. So I could have a right standing with God. That is what Penuel stands for. A man where he has rested completely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ and has have a clear conscience with God. That is how you need to start your life and that is how you need to start every day. What is Penuel? This is a place where God makes us one-faced. A place of no pretense. Double-faced kadu. Double-tongued kadu. Double-minded, no. One mind, one place, one face. It is a place of continual purification and cleansing. What does it see? I saw the face of God. Who can see the face of God? You know the beatitude, right? Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. People who have a pure, unpretentious heart. What a challenge in this generation. To have pure hearts. 
See that? It doesn't matter what your, which, what age you belong to. Acts chapter 15 verse 9. And made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Doesn't matter what your age group is. You can have a pure heart. You can. By faith you can. But the problem is, is, your, is that your ambition? To have a pure heart with God. To have a pure, clear conscience with God. To be pure in your motives. Hmm? Question. When you, when you dress, for example, do you dress to attract? Very important. Your pure heart. Do you have a sensitive conscience? Do you have a sensitive conscience? Or has it become blunt? Remember David? I mean, yesterday I was listening to one brother, <laughs> you know, from Zakpunin's church, a Tamil brother, no? His name is Brother Victor. Okay, he was preaching in one of the conferences. He was telling, now, when he was a, when he was a, when he was a young man and when he got saved for the very first time, he did not want to see any billboard. He said, Lord, I want to have a pure heart. You know what he did? He took a handkerchief and tied his eyes like that and he used to travel in the bus. He was, I mean, he's a 55-year-old, 54-year-old brother and he was speaking in Tamil and he was saying, you know, I closed my eyes and used to walk in the bus a lot because, Lord, I don't want to see anything stupid on the roads. Pure heart. And oh, you know what he says now? I have my smartphone and I have unlimited data on my phone. Do I have a pure heart? Here's a question he asked himself. Is it possible for us to see trash on the internet and the computer and to have a pure heart? Ask yourself this question, no? Sometimes when we are asked to, especially girls, if you are asked to dress in a particular way, do you say, why should I dress like this? Why should I not dress like this? Do you know? Do you know that men are visual beings? You know, he, another brother, brother, you know, he made another interesting example. He said, you know what, when David was a, 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 a young man and when he cut off the robe, the edge of the robe of Saul, you know what happened to him? He was stricken in his conscience and he was crying out to God, how did I touch the Lord's anointed? Few years down the line, he murdered somebody else's husband, took her, took his wife, did all kinds of things and for nine months he was cool. What happened to this man? What happened to this man? Think about it. Is your conscience sensitive to God? Do you have a sensitive conscience? And he was talking about beautiful. That brother is such a, he was so cute to listen to him. No, listen to somebody who was mentored by Zach Puran and not in English. So you know what he says. You know, both Paul and and Peter, they had such tender hearts, impressionable hearts. They were never offended. It says when in Galatians it says for fifteen days. Peter stayed with Paul. Okay, Peter stayed with Paul and he was saying, you know what, in my mind's eye, I imagine they would have gone on the streets of Jerusalem and would have walked on the streets of Jerusalem. And you know what, Peter, even as he was walking in Jerusalem, he would have come to that place and would have said, this is the place, you know what, I denied Jesus three times and he started weeping and he would start weeping. And then Paul would go a little further and he would say, you know, this is the place where I stoned Stephen and he would start weeping. Weeping, weeping, weeping. A fellowship which was formed. And when correction was given to Peter, he never doesn't get offended. Do you get offended? 
Do you have a sensitive, clear conscience? Is your conscience pure? That is the reason why it says, the end of the commandment is this, love out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Clear conscience, pure hearts. <laughs> that is the reason why you know what it says in, in, in James, cleanse your hearts, you hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So right, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, everything. Okay. So what should we do? A place of continual cleansing. Continual cleansing. Penuel is a place of continual cleansing. So we are not all perfect, but there is a process that God is asking us to, you know, subject ourselves to a place of continual cleansing. That is penuel. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But we all with unveiled face, that means we don't try to hide anything. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. That is Penuel, a place of continual cleansing, a continual purification. Is purification taking place in our hearts today? Is there purification? Do, you know, honestly, you know, think about it, no? The things that you did four months back, do you do today? Is your conscience ten- sensitive to little, little, little things? You know, sometimes, pastor talks about somebody else, something else, and he was, he just, he talks about something else, you know, some random topic. Completely offhand, he just mentioned something. In that something which is offhand, there will be a message for you and me. It will prick your conscience. He will be talking about somebody else. Suddenly, you know what? My conscience is sensitive. I look look at myself and I judge my heart. A place of continual cleansing, a continual purification, a place where you can see God face to face, nothing before, before between you and God. Is that, is that, isn't that a beautiful place? You know, that's the reason that Paul says, I strive to keep my conscience void of offense with God and with man. You know, when did, when did that happen? He's speaking something, the high priest gives him a slap and he says, you whitewashed tomb, etc., etc., etc. Immediately they say, <laughs> How dare you speak to the high priest? He says, brother, I didn't know that was a high priest. Please forgive me. I strive to keep a conscience clear, void of offense before God and before man. Okay, place for continual cleansing. A place where you have Shechem, you have rested on God, you asked him to be, him to be your guide. And then Penuel is a place of cleansing, purification and fellowship with God. Something else also about Penuel. It's a place of continual breaking. Continual breaking. Broken. Can you be broken? You know, somebody said, uh, made a very interesting statement. He said, a lot of people, when you bend something, okay, take a, do an experiment actually, you take a plastic, uh, uh, let's say a scale and you bend it. Alright? It gets deformed. And then again you Put it back with pressure and you try to make it straight. You know what happens? Do you think it's got the same strength as it had before? No. Why? Something has stone inside. But do something else. Bend it. Put it in fire. Melt it a little bit. And again put it straight. Let it cool down. Then what happens? It regains its strength. That's what God does. He puts us into the fire. It breaks us. Puts us into the fire. And again molds us back. Strengthens us. 
breaks us, strengthens us. Breaks us, strengthens us. It's a place of continual breaking. See that? Genesis chapter 32. Verses 31 to 32. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. (laughs) Man was completely broken now. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Man was shrunk. The word Paul, you know what it means? Chota fellow, little, petit. (laughs) That's what it means. Paul means little boy, little man. Little in my own sight. I'm shrunk. I was a man with a big head. (laughs) Three years broken nicely. Blinded, broken. Place of continual breaking. Penuel is a place of continual breaking. Then, where I have lost all confidence in my own strength, intelligence and abilities, a place of total surrender, a place of no confidence in the flesh. That is Shechem and that is Penuel and Jeroboam built both. What did he do? He built. What did he do? Built. Very important to understand. Build. Build is an action. Be built up. It says in Second Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 to 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. You see that? It's a relationship. Okay. Verse, uh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, build a relationship. It's being known by Him. Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 19 to 20. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Build up a relationship with God. It is something that you have to consciously do. Build up. Jude chapter 2, uh, Jude, Jude, uh, verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy, play, uh, holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keeping yourself in the love of God. You see that? It's a constant process of building yourself up every day of your life. Build up. Build an altar. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Seek the face of God. Have a Bible reading plan. You know, if I want to ask you this, ask this question honestly, how many of you read through your Bible? At least once. What are others waiting for? Can you imagine? You know, somebody said, um, God wrote a love letter. Bible is God's love letter. Imagine, no? My wife writes me a love letter. I read only para one. And the last para. I said I read your letter. Stupidity, no? That's exactly a lot of people. I read Psalms, enough, enough, enough. Proverbs, enough. I read love letter. I mean, you, you have you? This hard, how do you look at the Bible? Isn't isn't it interesting that you were in Grace Tabernacle Church and you have not read through the Bible? <laughs> oh, I don't understand so many things. It's like milk, no? Desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you might grow and grow thereby. So, does the baby understand milk? Does it say what is the cholesterol content in the milk? 
No. What is the calcium level? Mama, did you heat it? Did you not heat it? No. Put there, kacha kacha kacha, sucking only. No questions asked. See that? I mean, I saw, we have twins now in our, in our family. You should see the way they grab that bottle and, and, and drink up the milk. You see? That is, do they understand milk? No. One thing they know, actually we know, they drink the milk and they will grow. It's quite possible. No, because we don't read the Bible. It's very simple. We don't read it. We don't have a plan. Why do you think most of us have are, are, are so emotional and one day we are on high and one day we are low? You know why? I'll do it honestly because you have not made the discipline of going through the Bible verse by verse until you make sure that it becomes a part of you. A deliberate choice. And that is the reason why you're, you're so weak. What is the offensive weapon in the armor? It is the what of the spirit? The sword of the spirit. What is that? What is that? Which is the word of God. It is the word of God. And God is able to scan through the entire Bible and pick up one verse and make it relevant. It's called the Rima word, the living word. But how do you, how can God bring everything, uh, everything out unless you have read through it at least once? You see? A lot of people have, sele- have selective reading. I don't want to read Job. More suffering. No, 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 no. It is Old Testament. We are new covenant people now. I'll tell you why I love Job. I'll tell you why I love Job. You know, I'm reading the book of Job. I'm reading it actually twice now because I'm just falling in love with it. You know what it says? Job says when Job was, uh, his family was feasting, right? His family is, they're all rich people. No, from house to house, they go feasting only. And they feast for several days. Those days, feasts used to last for several days. And after the end of every feast, you know what Job would do? He would offer burnt offerings saying that my children would have cursed God in their... You Can you imagine a man who's sensitive to the sin in the heart in the old covenant? Who said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maiden? Think about that. A man who is so sensitive to his heart. How many of you are sensitive to your heart? I mean, you see, it's like a, your, your heart is like a forest. Some of our hearts. It's not, it's all growing all over the place. You know, you don't need grass to, you don't need anything to do for the grass to grow. It'll just grow. But something else has to be tended, sown, Guarded. Everything has to be. It's something that you have to deliberately do. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Make a deliberate choice this year if you if you haven't done it. Okay. We have two New Years. Every everybody has to. In our church, we have three New Years. We have the thirty first night New Year. We have the church New Year, and we have our personal New Year. It's called birthday. I hope you know that is a New Year. We have three New Years. So three times you can make a resolution in a year. Let me read through the Bible. Read through it. Don't take KJV. <laughs> read through simpler translations. Read through NIV maybe. Start with NIV. Read through the Bible. I mean, I was reading uh, one man of God. It's called uh, the spirit of disciplines. You know what he said? All successful Christians, they have one habit in common. They would have read through the Bible at least twice every year. Our own pastor, Pastor Eric in, in Jamshedpur, he reads through the Bible twice a year. He has a Bible reading plan. And he was the one who recommended that NLT Bible to me. See? 
twice every year. It's a deliberate choice. See, it, we are not special. Just because we are pastors, we are not special. We are not better than you or worse than you. No, 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 no. Things are not going to change for us. It's, in, it's even more important for us. If you read the Bible once, I have to at least read it thrice or four times. See, First Thessalonians says, says, I should be like a mother. I should be like a mother. It says, First Thessalonians, like a mother nursing her children. We nursed you. How does a mother nurse? You know what the doctors tell the mothers when they are feeding or nursing the baby? Eat well. Eat well so that you can feed your children. Nowadays, mothers don't have no strength at all to feed. They're all gone. I mean, those days, mothers had 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 children. Two children, we are gone. Okay? Eat well. Lost the ability. Don't, these are all disciplines building yourself up. Otherwise, you know something, you can so quickly fall away from God. Falling away doesn't happen, you know, slowly. To build something up, it takes time to, to crash it down. Just one bomb is enough. You know how long it took to build the World Trade Center? Several years and several millions of dollars. 75 million dollars according to those those days. 75 million dollars, two buildings. Several years in the making. Within one hour it's gone. To collapse something is easy. To build it up, it's going to take a while. Are you getting it my dear brothers and sisters? This is a deliberate action. Building yourselves, keeping yourselves, being rooted in love. Hmm. Now comes Jeroboam's downfall. I want to look at four things. Four things, but let us read through the section carefully first. And Jeroboam said in his heart. Let us just stop there. Where does it start? In his heart. Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. Who told you that? If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord of Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam, uh, king, king of Judah, and they will kill me. So, heart of Jeroboam turned to the people and turned to himself. That is how it starts. You know, when you are drifting away from God, when actually when you're falling away, you don't fall away from the church. You know where you fall away from? You fall away from God. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, I marvel that you are turning so soon from whom? Not from the church, from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So soon. You just started. Quickly, within few months, you're gone. So soon. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 to 3. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to this, to Christ. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. Your devotion is gone. Check your devotion life. You know, uh, remember we get, every day we get devotions, right? Sometimes you don't read it. You know, I was talking to pastor, you know, he, he, he told me once, he said, Vijay, Vijay, some people in the church, somewhere else, they wait for these devotions. They're so hungry. 
we are we get it every day devotion is gone then jerobam said in his heart and his heart turned to his people so what happens everything shifts from god and shifts towards people and to yourself that is what it says and for for now am i seeking the approval of man or of god or am i trying to please man if i were still trying to please man i should not be the servant of christ so drifting away from a person you're shifting focus from god to yourself third thing no the kingdom may return to this people i have to do something to guard it in other words god started i want to finish something in my own strength god started it but i will finish it in my own strength galatians chapter 3 oh foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are now being made perfect by the flesh meaning i can hold people together i have abilities i have strengths shift completely changed from god completely changed to yourself what god has started now you want to finish off in the flesh if what god has not started also sometimes people want to finish it so they'll try to keep on finishing it in the flesh this is what jeremiah chapter 17 will say thus says the lord cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart depart from from uh, departs from the lord for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited you see a man who's under a curse this is exactly how it is for he shall not he shall be like a shrub in the desert not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited why because his heart departed from god now his strength is in his own self you see you know it's very dangerous very very dangerous no abraham sarah god said you are going to be the father of many nations several years over what god has said i want to complete in the flesh whom am i going to rely upon hagar create something and ultimately that will be a curse to all generations jeremiah 17 17 verse 7 on blessed is the man who trusts in the lord and whose hope is the lord for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit you see that all right let's move go back to jeremiah sorry second kings first kings chapter 12 verses 28 to 31 therefore the king asked advice from whom from somebody you see you look at your problems right if you trace your problems at at the root of every problem there will be an idol okay the root of every problem will be an idol now john wrote in a very interesting epistle okay 
He wrote the epistle of First John, Second John, Third John. Revelation is uh, is one of his books, and of course, he wrote the gospel. He wrote the epistle of First John, and the last verse that he writes in the epistle. How many of you know it? The last verse of epistle to one to by John, the first first epistle, the last verse. Let me show it to you. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Now, this is not, see, these are, only two things are happening here. Either there is a deep meaning in that verse, or maybe John finished writing his letter and was just about to post it. And he would have said, Oh, I, I just forgot to, for, forgot to write something. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, little children, keep yourself from idols. Bye. I don't think he did that. You know, but something deeper over here. Now, if you read the epistle to John, there are three things that are ha- that is happening over here. It says how to walk in the light. Okay. How to walk in the light. How to walk in love. How to walk in fellowship with God. Three things. How to walk in the light. How to walk in love. How to walk in fellowship with God. Now, if you're not walking in the light, If you are not walking in love and if you are not walking in fellowship with God, at the heart of all these things is what we call as idolatry. Think about it, no? If you go to God, God, I want to live a life which is pleasing to you. Please can you tell me, give give me some rules. God will say yes, there are what we call as ten commandments. What is commandment number one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What is it? Idolatry. Thou shalt not have any other graven image. Final commandment, Lord. Ten commandments, right? Final commandment, thou shalt not covet. What is covetousness? Idolatry. According to the New Testament, right? It is idolatry. And he says, if you want to live a holy life, God says, at the heart of it is idolatry. And a lot of have, people have a lot of problems. So what they do, they take advice. They take advice from people who will feed their idol. Now, for example, I'll give you an example. Let us say there's a woman in the church or a girl. I'm just taking an example, okay? A man or a woman in the church who is going through a very tough marriage. Husband is not really good or wife is not really good. A tough, real tough marriage. The problem is when God says if you're... Husbands love your wives or when it says wife, at least it says if your wife, husband is not believing, don't take a Bible study, just keep quiet. Through your conduct, you will be able to win your wife, win your husband when they see your nice behavior. But you know, most of the time what happens, most, this is what I would have observed in the church, no? I'm not in our church particularly, just in our church and several places, case scenarios. What they do is this. They will look for a particular sister or a brother who is going through the same problem. Okay. Same problem where the husband or a wife is worse. And she will say, you know what? Me too. They all start off hashtag me too movement in the church. Oh, you have a terrible husband. I have a more terrible husband. Both of our terrible, terrible husbands. You're okay. I am okay. You know what they'll do? What do you do? Oh, see... Th- Oh, this, this, this sister only will understand my problem. I'll tell you something. Every marriage has a terrible husband and a terrible wife.
Honest? I mean, how many of honestly in your hearts raise your hand, okay? How many of you wives think your husband is terrible? In your hearts? That's what I said, in your heart. You see? We all start off a hashtag me too movement in the church. And you have a WhatsApp group also. Oh, today my husband did this. Your husband did this. My husband was worse. Oh, my life is better than you. Very, very nice. Let us get along famously now. You see? You know why? Because your idol is your husband. And you're looking for completion from your husband. You're trying to finish in the flesh what God has started in the spirit. See that? I mean, think about parents, children now. Oh, I had terrible parents. Okay. No, look at success stories where people were terrible. For example, we, there's a famous book by, what's his name? Carson? Carlson? Ben Carson. His, I mean, it's a worst case scenario. How many of you read those success stories? No, 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 no. We will look at stories where people got messed up and we'll feel so comfortable there. We don't want to look at challenging stories. That is the reason why Ezekiel chapter 14 will say, look at this, no? You take advice from people who will feed your idol. It happens in the church a lot. Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. In other words, they are not going to get rid of their idols. They are going to put the stumbling block of iniquity in their hearts and they are going to come to me and they want to be inquired of me. You know, for example, if you are a man who is struggling with a career, the worst thing that can happen to you is success and not failure. You know what? Why? Because success will justify in your idol. So what will you do? You will look for preachers. You will look for teachers who will say, Brother, it is the will of God to prosper you. You see? And you will all have your own WhatsApp group. Should I let myself be inquired of them at all? (laughs) Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Every one of the house of Israel, It is not the world, my dear brothers and sisters. It is a house of Israel. Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. That is the reason why it says, If you regard iniquity in your heart, Complete. The Lord will not hear you. And in fact, if you ask him, he will answer you according to the idol in your heart. And those answers will be judgment and not blessing. They'll be your gods. Hmm? 
I the Lord will answer who comes to me according to the multitude of the idols in your heart. My God, you will not have... I think it was Calvin who said, John Calvin, I stand corrected the other day because uh, um, Eric heard my message. He says, uh, Pastor, it's not Frederick Nietzsche, it's John Calvin. Our heart is an idol factory. Hi, my name is Joe. I work in an idol factory. I have a wife and two kids. One day, my boss came up to me. He said, Joe. I said, yo. Busy? No. Push that button to that idol. That idol will be pressed. And idols and idols and idols and idols. It's an idol factory. What is that? Something which has taken the place of God. At the heart of every problem which is taking away your devotion, which is taking away your love for your brothers, and which is taking away your time from the Lord, and your money from God, is an idol. You know what it says? Little children, keep yourself from that idols, and that idol is ourselves. The biggest idol, ourselves. Because our hearts have turned away from God, have turned towards ourselves and has turned towards the people. And if it has turned towards ourselves and turned to the, towards the people, it is not the glory of God anymore. It is my glory. And if it is my glory, God is not going to help me anymore. I have to better work it in my own strength. And I'm going to fail. That is the reason why you want to know if my teaching is right or wrong. You know what? Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 7, if you, if your will is to do the will of what? Of the Father, then you will know either my teaching is from God or if I speak of my own authority. You know that? You, I can preach exactly the same word and every one of you is receiving, the, receiving or not receiving the word according to the idol in your heart. Either you are trying to use the principles of the kingdom of God to find success in this world or you are using the principles of God to fall flat on the face of God and say, Lord, let your will be done. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I may seize the house of Israel by their heart. That I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they all are estranged from me by their idols. That is the reason why it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and cleanse you from what? From all your idols. You know something? You can cleanse yourself over and over and over and over again. But unless God cleanses you, nothing can happen. You can take yourself water and nitre and the best soap, you will still stink of idols. And God has to only sprinkle. Amen. Just sprinkle. And you'll be cleansed of your idols. That is the reason why it says, the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. You know why they will not endure sound doctrine? Because they don't want to get rid of their idols. They've made an idol of a relationship or a career or something which has taken the place of God in their lives. And all the time, their money and the resources and the thinking is... Supplying that idol and that idol is not even satisfying them. You know, sin never satisfies you. Sin makes you sin over and over and over again. It's like that wild donkey. Remember that wild donkey in the wilderness? Jeremiah talks about this wild donkey in the wilderness. He says, you know what? You know, it's a sin. It is iniquity. You know, I can't stop stop myself. I have to commit this. I have to commit this. I have to commit this. It's like he uses a biological example. He uses a biological example of progeny, of reproduction. He uses, you know what it, what it means? Think about it, no? The animal kingdom, if, why, why do you think that it's so intense, that sexual craving in an animal kingdom is so intense? You know why? Because unless they reproduce their 
race is over. And sin is like that. It multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. You don't deal it deal with it at the root. It's amazing. I just showed you this graphic last time, the last Sunday. It says, you were under the influence of false gods. You heard the true gospel and you turned to true God. But it's so easy to fall away. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Take a false gospel and go back to bondage again. And how do, see, what? how do I know that it has become an idol in my heart? When somebody comes and corrects you, you want to kill him. You just want to destroy him. How dare he speaks like that to me. No, I have seen this in our own church. Over a period of time, 11 years, I was telling the other pastor when I went to the, uh, to the church for their anniversary, they invited me to share. And I said, you know what, I have seen in the church one of the most difficult sh- jobs to, to be, I mean, the most difficult offices is the office of a shepherd. To be a shepherd of a flock. That is the only office God identifies him, himself. The son calls himself a shepherd. And also the father calls himself a shepherd. God the father calls himself a shepherd. God the, God the son says, I am also the good shepherd. You know why? Because in a, in a church there are three kinds of people. There are sheep. There are goats. There are wolves. In sheep's clothing. You touch them, you touch them at that point, they get offended. They get offended. They cannot take correction. Ask yourself today, is there offense? You know why? Because there's iniquity idle in your heart and that is the stumbling block of offense. See? So look at what happens to this man. Second Kings chapter 12. The king therefore made two calves of gold, set up one in Bethel and one in Dan. Meaning what? God becomes a God of convenience. I'll go to church which is close to my house. I know, we ask sometimes, why don't you come to our church? Oh, it's too far. Very, very far. Service is too long. Okay. Message is too long, too in deep. My goodness, you don't know how blessed we are in our church. It's remarkable. What they get is cotton candy in many churches. It looks very big, fluffy. But you bite it, it's gone within two seconds. God becomes a God of convenience. You don't have to go there. Worship here. Jerusalem is too far. Worship here. You will change the times also. You know, he changed the festival. He changed the time of the festival. No? Convenience. Oh, we have, if you don't have morning service, you also have evening service. In our church, we have only one service. Thank God. Hmm? There is only, there is no American standard time, there is no Indian standard time. There is only one time that is on time. See? There is only one service. I like that. And only morning service, not even evening service. You know why? Because we are not here to cater to people's needs. We are here to serve God and not man. Understand that. Now this became a sin. And what did he do? He made priests from every class. You know, you listen to anybody now. Because you don't have discernment. 
I didn't put the put the verse there on the on the on the on the on the screen. It says in I think Job chapter 14. It says, "As the mouth discerns tastes, so do ears discern sounds." Do you hear the sound of your shepherd, heavenly shepherd, or you eat anything which comes in the market? Because what you eat becomes who you are. And he, they were not even, they're not separated people. They're not sanctified people. Anybody you hear. And then what happens? Finally, the they, they church, they ch- changed the uh, timings of the church. That is the 15th day of the eighth month. Actually, there's, 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 a, there's a lesson over there. I'm not going to go into the deep depths of it because it's, it's a completely different sermon. Finally, so he made offerings on the offer. Who made the offerings? He made the offerings. Does, does everything and somebody brings a word of correction. What happens? So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel and he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. So offended. He doesn't want to take any correction anymore. Why am I saying all this? Why is it we need to guard our heart this way? Because it's not just our life. It's the life of generations to come. Nevertheless, look at this, what it says in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Nevertheless, he persisted in Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, who made Israel to sin. It becomes an iniquity and it will never go away. 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 29. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, who had made Israel to sin. That is from the golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. Why do we have to guard truth in the church? Why do we have to guard? Because our hearts are so deceptive about all things. And therefore, we have to guard truth with all of our hearts and with all of our lives. Galatians chapter 2, look at what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. And this occurred because false brethren secretly brought in things which are false, to whom we do not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Think about it, no? Final example. Think about it. Peter, Paul. Peter, Paul goes to Jerusalem, lives in the truth of the gospel. Peter comes from Antioch to, uh, sorry, from Jerusalem to Antioch. Slowly when he sees the brothers coming from Jerusalem, he withdraws. Paul confronts him and says, you're not walking in line with the truth of the gospel. Think about it. If Peter wouldn't have taken correction, what would have happened? The church is built in the foundation of the apostles and the the foundation would have broken. Our entire church history would have changed if Peter wouldn't have taken correction. Think about it. One man would not take correction, the entire church history would have changed. You don't take correction, your children will suffer. Why do we have to guard truth with all of our heart? Because there's a generation. Let me tell you something. We are living in bad times. Honestly, terrible, terrible times. Happening right in front of our eyes. Things which are, how people are changing. Left, right and center. Little, little children are being exposed to certain things which are, which they have never been ready for. It's happening under the nose of parents, even in Christian homes. Even in Christian homes. God. God truth with all of your heart. One of the prayers that we pray continuously in our church. Lord let 
there be no error from the pulpit. You know why? Because this determines the destiny of the church. And if this goes wrong, not only this generation, generations to come will be absolutely on the wrong track. And it will become a cult. And it will become an abomination in the sight of God. Question today, I just want to end with this today. How many of us have made it a discipline to take correction? That will determine your destiny. That is your habit. Let's let's stand this this evening in the house of God. Let's pray. We, we can study this more and more and more. So many things to say, but I want to end today. Do you get offended when people correct you? Check your heart. Purity is when you receive correction without any offense. I was listening to this man uh, in Zach Punan's church the other day. A man in his 50s or 60s possibly. Mentored by Zach Punan. He was called to preach from the pulpit. Now, Zach Punan was introducing him. He was basically a doctor from Verlor, CMC Verlor. But he never talked about his educational qualifications. You know what he said? This brother was with us right from the time the church started. And over all these years, he has never been offended when I corrected him. That is his qualification. And he asked him, brother, can you come and share? You know, that brother was broken. He started crying. He was a doctor in CMC Weller, faculty in CMC Weller. A man who is humble enough to take correction. I said, Lord, I want to be a man like that. I want to be a man like that who is willing to take correction. Okay. Commandment is light. Law is life. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for this evening. Father, we want to guard our heart from offense, O Lord. Father, help us. Help us. Help us to stay in that straight and narrow path. Not to get offended when we are corrected. Because commandments are light and the law is life. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. To guard us from the seductive influences of this world. So many seductive voices calling for our attention. Calling to compromise on our purity. And our devotion to Christ. Enable us to put a hedge around our heart. You put a hedge around our heart, O Lord. The truth of the word of God. Let your statutes be our guide. Lord, enable us never to cross the boundaries that you have ordained for us, O Lord. In every relationship, enable us to honor those boundaries. Grant us grace to that end as a church, we pray. We thank you, we praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.